Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to this week's Through the Noise podcast, where we put recent developments in a longer term context and also identify potential opportunities for more nimble investors. Now, it's been a huge focus on inflation, uh, unsurprisingly. And before we get to the US inflation number, I want to tell you about a story I came across online about inflation in Brazil in the 1990s, because this illustrates why it matters so much uh, to, to all of us. Now, at the time, with inflation at about 80% a month, supermarkets would revise up prices every day. This meant that shoppers would arrive at the supermarkets very early in the morning, hoping to front run, quite literally, uh, the shop assistants who were placing new price stickers uh, in order to get a chance at buying goods at the previous day's lower prices. Now, for investors today, of course, it continues to be quite a big focus on how the Fed is likely to respond to the inflation release. Uh, To discuss this, and of course, the impact of US midterm elections, earnings, and the outlook for the sterling, I'm joined by Abhilash uh, to help us better understand what all of this means for investors. So welcome, Abhilash. Uh, U.S. inflation data yesterday, uh, it was, uh, after quite some time, a softer than expected number with core inflation at 6.3% versus expectations of 6.5%. The market response, though, seems almost disproportionately positive. What's that telling us in your views? That a sustainable bounce? Thank you, Manpreet. No, absolutely. In in our view, the outsized reaction to the slightly better than expected data just reflects how pessimistic investors were going into the data release. However, we think that it's important not to read too much into the numbers for three key reasons. So first of all, uh, the month-on-month inflation increase of 0.3% is still well above the Fed's 2% target when you look at it at an annualized basis. Secondly, while Fed officials have indicated that central bank may now only increase Fed fund rates by half a percentage point in in the December policy meeting, at any other time in the past 40 years, that would still be seen as an aggressive rate hike, especially when you put that on top of the 3.75% increase in rates that we've already seen this year. And lastly, uh, we still have two key data points uh, before that December meeting, the November non-farm payrolls uh, report, as well as the inflation data, which could easily reverse this optimism. But overall, the uh, the latest data does reinforce our view that we are getting closer to the peak in U.S. yields. And although it's too early to definitively conclude this, we think that investors should consider rotating into income assets and rebalancing into high-quality investment-grade bonds, both in the developed world and in Asia. And lastly, on FX, uh, you know, even before the inflation print, the dollar was showing signs of vulnerability, and it has broken through a key support overnight, which increases the probability that the long overvalued dollar has potentially peaked. Uh, obviously, the data between now and the next meeting will be cr- uh, scrutinized to see whether this pushes uh, the dollar weaker on a more sustainable basis. Okay. No, thanks, Abhilash. Um, staying with the US for a moment, the other key event, of course, that markets were watching were the midterm elections. Now, it wasn't quite the red sweep that that uh, you know several sort of uh, political commentators were forecasting. But to what extent do these midterm election outcome matter for equity market investors? Well, if you look at the preliminary midterm election results uh, that are available at present, it seems likely that we'll get an outcome where the Democrats still retain control of the Senate. Uh, while Republicans could gain control of the House. 
At a broad level, we see that the midterm elections uh, as being largely neutral uh, for U.S. equities, given the relative importance of other factors such as inflation, the Fed policy, as well as earnings. But one area that has been under pressure uh, of late has been U.S. energy sector, as Republicans have been regarded as more pro-carbon than Democrats. Uh, and we retain our overweight stance on the sector and see the recent price weakness as a buying opportunity. Because if you look at the U.S. energy sector, it has delivered robust earnings in the third quarter, uh, with earnings surprising by 11.5%. Uh, and, you know, that has been driven by elevated oil prices and effective cost management pressures. And meanwhile, the sector valuations uh, remain attractive as well. If you look at the P.E. ratio, that's trading at a 40% discount to the broader market, which is wider than the average uh, we've seen historically. So when you put uh, in the, uh, the backdrop of higher rates and poor risk appetite, we think that value-oriented sectors such as energy should still be, you know, the outperformers in the market. Okay, let's move on to Europe and earnings. Uh, we're now well into the European third quarter earnings season, and we're seeing about 60% of companies surprising positively relative to expectations. So I know we're, we're sort of view European equities as least preferred uh, you know, relative to other regions, but can you help our listeners understand why? Absolutely. And that's a, that's a great question. So we've seen two thirds of European companies, uh, those listed on StockX 600, uh, they have reported the Q3 results. And, you know, as per the data that, that we've received so far, it's been broadly positive uh, with 60% er, uh, companies reporting earnings beat relative to the historical average of 53%. Uh, at an index level, earnings have surprised positively by 4.2%. And the third quarter is uh, poised to deliver 32% earnings growth, uh, which is only slightly uh, lower than the 33% earnings growth uh, that we saw on uh, at the beginning of October. However, we think that a significant portion of the earnings growth has been driven by uh, euro weakness, translating into higher euro-denominated profits as European companies derive a majority of their revenues from abroad. Uh, we continue to see downside risk to Euro-AD equities uh, as high energy prices and the slowdown in, in growth contribute to earnings risk for 2023. Now, within Europe, we, we have a preference to gain exposure to uh, value-oriented sectors such as energy, which has shown 5.5% earnings surprise in the latest earnings season, as well as financials. Uh, now, both the sectors continue to be attractively valued and trade at a wide discount to the market. And finally, okay, my last question, still sort of staying with the theme of event risk. Uh, the UK is set to announce a new fiscal plan under PM Rishi Sunak. Uh, in your view, does this like is this likely to brighten the prospects for the sterling? In the short term, potentially yes, but uh, not really in the long term. Uh, I mean, if you look at the 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 price movements in pound, it has been a roller coaster ride since the mini budget announcement by former FM uh, Quarting in, in September. Uh, if you look at the pair's one-month volatility, it remains unusually high at uh, almost two standard deviations uh, to historical average. And while the pound has bound up, bounced off the 50-year lows and it has overnight broken above 1.1700, uh, we think that uh, some of the factors are transitory. So obviously, the recent uh, uh, strength has been helped by the dollar weakness, as well as optimism around the new government under PM Rishi, Rishi Sunak. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, we could see a positive bounce higher towards 1.1790 if we do get a, uh, a surprise, a positive surprise from the fiscal plan announcement on 17th of November.
But on a six to 12 month horizon, we expect the macroeconomic fundamentals to reassert themselves. Uh, the pound remains hamstrung by weak economic growth outlook for the UK, especially relative to the US. And while inflation in US is showing signs of slowing down, inflation in UK remains stubbornly above 10%, which leads to an unfavorable real interest rate differentials for the pound relative to the US dollar. Uh, additionally, we think that the recent political and financial system uncertainty has led the investors to embed a higher risk premium for the pound. So, you know, while there is a possibility of a near-term bounce, we continue to expect the pound to retest 1.10 and even potentially 1.08 levels in the coming few weeks and months. Okay, we'll end it there. Uh, thanks very much, Abhilash, for helping our listeners navigate through what's been quite a few market-moving events over the past week. Uh, thank you, listeners, of course, as always, for joining us. Uh, just to recap, as we discussed, quite a disproportionate reaction uh, you know, to the inflation number. But in our view, the opportunity, of course, still sits in income assets. That's sort of one key point we discussed. Second, of course, European equities, we are getting some upside surprise in earnings. But in our view, the risks you know, still justify a least preferred view over there. Uh, and we'd really just keep a sharper focus on our preferred sectors. And third, of course, we had Abhilash just tell us about why you know, Sterling could sort of react positively in the very short term uh, to the UK fiscal plan, but in the longer term, it's more likely than not to maintain its downtrend. So three key takeaways. Uh, we'll end it there. Thanks very much for listening. and We wish you a successful week ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.